0: Good afternoon and welcome to today's FS Club webinar, Why We Care About Data Culture and You Should Too, with Gate One, a Change and Transformation Consultancy. Today, Gate One will be presenting the latest findings from their survey and interviews with leading FS firms as we explore what a successful data led culture looks like and how to create and optimise one within your organization, which is essential to truly capitalise on investments and emerging tech. Here at the FS Club, we have focused a lot on the technical aspects of data, but not the cultural. So I'm particularly keen to explore the softer side of data today, especially for those of us who are less tech savvy. So we're fortunate to be joined by Priya Shah and Charlotte Eastwood from Gate One. Priya leads Gate One's data-driven enterprise proposition and is a certified data strategy SME. He has more than 12 years' experience delivering data-driven strategic advice and multi-million dollar transformations for clients across industries. Charlotte is a manager within the people and change team at Gape One. With a background in psychology, Charlotte is passionate about culture change and enjoys combining behavioral science with design thinking and experience. So these two are very well placed to brief us on data culture today. And if we haven't met yet, virtually or in person, I'm Charlotte Dauber-Ashley and I manage the FS Club here at CN. I'd like to warmly acknowledge our very generous sponsors who enable us to continue to bring you a wide range of thought-provoking content across finance, technology, and economics. The session will be recorded and available to watch on our website within 48 hours along with the slide deck. We'll also be holding a 20 minute Q&A session after the presentation. So please use the GoToChat facility to send your questions in to me and then I can feed them into Priyash and Charlotte. Now, without further ado, it's my pleasure to hand over to you, Priyash.
1: Thank you very much. Just gonna share my screen.
0: There we go.
1: Apologies, would you mind uh, requesting that again? Okay, brilliant. Well, hello and welcome everyone to this amazing webinar organized by the FS Club. Um, I'm Priya Shah and I have with me my colleague Charlotte Eastwood and together we'll be walking you through a challenge that most businesses are grappling with today a challenge that hinders businesses across industries from realizing the true potential from their data, and a challenge that unfortunately happens to be the root cause of why most investments in data tend to fail, but is still misunderstood and unsolved to this day. Yes, the challenge that I'm referring to is the challenge of developing and embedding a data culture within your organization. And if this is a challenge within your organization too well we've got you covered over the next 40 minutes we'll be sharing with you insights on what a good data culture looks like and most importantly we'll be sharing with you five key takeaways that will help you make tangible changes in your organization changes that will not only help you start a conversation within your organization around data culture but tangible changes that will accelerate the development of a data culture and ensure that it is firmly embedded within the organization in the long run. So let's start with the end in mind. Let me ask you guys a question. Why should anyone care about instilling a data culture? In fact, I'm sure many of uh, many people also think about, well, why should we care about data at all? Well, for anyone that's wondering that on this webinar today, I'm sure all of you work with data day in, day out in the FS industry, and so you'll all agree that data can be a real enabler of business value. In the financial services industry alone, it can drive insights and informed decision-making to maximize revenue, whether it's in the form of predictive pricing models, investment research, business intel that can help optimize current revenue streams, or even generate new revenue streams, new products, and new services through data-driven innovation as well as customer insights around segmentation, personalization, and customer satisfaction. On the other side of that coin, we've also got the opportunity to minimize costs and risks, whether it's to sort of drive operational efficiency by automating tasks, uh, improving decision-making and reducing errors, down to risk modeling to predict the likelihood of certain events occurring, such as loan defaults or market crashes, of course, You've got fraud detection, which is also supported and enabled by data analytics, by analyzing patterns of behavior, unusual spending, or any form of account activity. And finally, you've got risk management. You know, you analyze credit scores, financial statements, and other data assets during M&A activities. So you've got a whole load of things that are very well, very well enabled by data. On the other hand, of course, it's imperative But whilst we're maximizing our revenue and minimizing our risks and costs, we are always required to stay compliant with regulatory requirements around data. And so the focus in today's world is is paramount with regard to data compliance, whether it's as a result of GDPR regulations or PII regulations, it's very, very critical that we care about managing and maintaining that data. Sorry
0: to, you, um, sorry to interrupt you, fresh. we can't actually see your slides. Are you able to share your screen? Are the slides not sharing? Oh, now they are. Oh, they've disappeared okay. again.
1: Let's try. Let's try one more time. Okay. Well, they popped
0: up for a second and then they disappeared. How about now? No.
1: Okay. Yes,
0: now Let's... they are.
1: Okay, doesn't seem to be working in presentation mode. I'll just um, share them from my end.
0: Yeah, thanks, Sasha.
1: Thank you, Sasha. Okay, brilliant. So if you wouldn't mind flicking back one slide for me, that'd be really, really helpful. Okay, brilliant. So as I was saying, we've talked about the the regulatory requirements and uh, not to mention the advent of robotic process automation, artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning technologies, all of these can only be realized if you have good quality data available at your disposal. Unless we forget gen AI, the new buzzword, the new technology that is taking our industry by storm, is rapidly transforming how businesses and entire industries operate because it facilitates automation, enhancement, acceleration, and innovation. And these are just some of the reasons why everyone, regardless of industry or domain in today's world, is seeking to be data-driven. And I'm sure so is your organization. If we wouldn't mind flicking to the next slide, what you'll see is some numbers. And what these numbers represent is essentially a story whereby most businesses today are spending money to become data-driven by investing in the most advanced BI tools, setting up dedicated teams, looking at building data warehouses and data lakes, et cetera, et cetera. Often, these do not drive the full potential value. And these three numbers on your screen will hopefully kind of tell you that story. An average large company today spends about $2 billion annually on their data infrastructure and IT infrastructure. The big data analytics market alone is worth $274 billion, US, which is a, more than a 60% increase from where we were five years ago. However, despite this growth and despite the amount of investment happening in this um, industry, business executives that have invested money in big data initiatives, only 27% have said that they were profitable. Now, that isn't quite a large number. Um, you know, you'd expect that number to be much higher if you're investing those sums of money. However, that isn't the case, and the reason behind that is because the value generation from data analytics does not happen from the production of data insights. The value generation actually happens from the consumption of data insights. And in order to ensure that the right data is continuously consumed by the right people at the right time in the right way to make the right decisions, what you need is the right data culture, which is what you'll see on the next slide. And this for us is the. The topic of today's discussion, why is data culture the driving force behind you, deriving the value that data analytics and data as a whole can deliver for your organization? Now, it's very important for us to note here that the words data-driven and data-driven culture are often used interchangeably, but there is a subtle yet a very significant difference between the two. Being data-driven refers to the practice of making decisions based on data. And this means that your organization collects data, it analyzes data, and then uses it to sort of derive certain data-driven decisions. However, that alone is not guaranteed to drive autonomy, empowerment, accountability within your organization, collaboration across different business units, delegation of um, decisions across the organization, and most importantly, proactive use of data to solve problems. It certainly creates uh, an environment for for it to happen, but doesn't guarantee that that will actually take place. And that is where data-driven culture comes to the fore because it goes beyond simply making data-driven decisions. In a data-driven culture, everyone in the organization understands the data. They understand the importance of using data for decision-making over sort of subjective gut feel based decisions. And everybody is empowered to manage its quality and use it for better decision making. And therefore it's important that we see data-driven culture as a key enabler for your organization to become data-driven. And arguably it is the secret source without which becoming a data-driven organization is impossible. So hopefully that sets the scene about why we're gonna be talking about data-driven culture and data culture over the next few minutes. I'm now gonna pass over to my colleague, Charlotte, who's going to help us understand what a data culture actually looks like. Charlotte, over to you.
2: All right, thanks so much, Priyash. So, you know, we've already spoken to you a lot about why data culture is important, but there's also research to back this up. So according to white paper, by the International Data Corporation, companies who invest in developing a mature data culture are seeing a really great return on investment. So the more mature your data culture is, the greater the payback is in terms of four different metrics. Customer satisfaction, product time to market, employee productivity, and also profit So it really does pay to focus on that data culture. But if we are to focus on data culture, we need to understand what culture actually is. So if you wouldn't mind flipping onto the next slide. Um, So we often talk about culture as the way we do things around here, which really means that culture is more than just words on a page. It's really about what you live, breathe, and believe every day, and how that influences the behavior of a group of people. And that behavior accumulates over time to form the norms and habits that tell us the unwritten rules about what is and isn't accepted in your culture and business. So really culture is made up of several layers that give us an indication of the rules of the game. At the top level, it's about what you can see. So physical artifacts, what's on your walls, how the office is set up, your job titles and dress code. It's about the behaviors that you witness every day, and the systems and processes that guide you. The next level down is about what you say, which is where people usually focus. Um, And this is um, in the form of your written strategies. This is the values that you have, what you write in your job descriptions and on your website, and also the behavioural expectations you set and the rules and policies that you say you follow. But um, at its core, it kind of goes deeper than that, actually. So culture is really about people's mindset and the fundamental beliefs they have about the business and therefore the assumptions that leads them to make. So who really holds the power here and what um, what that says about what's important? What behaviours are actually reinforced or encouraged? And what leaders do turn a blind eye to? The trade-offs that are made and the stories and legends that are told about the business. Uh, what are the meetings that are prioritised and which projects get canned quickly? And what do all your leaders really have in common? All of that gives us a view about what the dominant culture of the business is. So how do we know what a data culture is and how that looks like if it's dominant? So if we go on to the next slide, the IDC research also found that there are five key elements that can be seen in mature data cultures across all industries. So, the first element is a balance of trust and accountability. And really, what this means is data transparency. So, data transparency is about the trust that an enterprise gives their employees to access data that's relevant to their jobs with full transparency, breaking down boundaries that exist between departments, units, geographies. On the flip side, trust is also about how employees feel about the data that's being provided. Is it seen as useful and accurate? Do they feel safe in providing it? And this leads us to uh, a need to balance that with accountability. In mature organisations, employees feel personally responsible for inputting high quality data and feel accountable for ensuring the data is safe. So enterprise need to have the right policies in place, the right governance in place to ensure employees can responsibly use data, but also remove that friction that allows employees to access relevant data. The next one is collaboration and breaking silos. So organizations in which people communicate and collaborate with data perform better. So employees in these mature data organizations openly give and receive help, not just within their own teams, but across the whole group. And these organizations are most successful in creating environments in which everyone is willing and able to share insights and analytics. Data and, by extension, data teams can be the cohesive and connective tissue between teams that help people to share ideas and best practices. If we go down into the next layer, which is around what we say, um, mature organizations have high expectations around data for everyone. So organizations with these cultures are increasingly looking for candidates across any role with data skills. And internally, also, there's an increased emphasis on all employees being able to find and connect with data to be able to analyze and interpret it, to be able to tell stories of data, as well as use it in decision making. So as Priyash mentioned at the start, these are companies that recognize that value occurs from the consumption of data, not just its creation. If we drop down into kind of the belief and mindset area, there is a commitment to realizing the value of data. So businesses that are successful are ones that treat data as an asset and recognize and believe in its value. So these are businesses in which leaders commit to making the investment they need to realize those data goals. And it's really about setting that tone for the importance of data, which we've seen from the data uh, earlier that, that businesses are doing. In addition to this, though, um, businesses that are data mature have executives that are eight times more likely to actively role model and use data themselves in their work compared to some of those more immature organizations. And finally, something that, you know, perhaps the most difficult thing to do is setting this mindset of curiosity and exploration. So strong data cultures allow their employees to experiment, fail, and also innovate using data. They expect their employees to bring data to meetings and make decisions on it, and also use it instead of hunches and guesswork. Companies with this mindset actually celebrate the use of data in decision-making processes irrespective of the outcome. So it's really about setting this tone around the behavior and the use of data rather than making something successful so the use of data then becomes part of that organization's dna its employees start taking pride in being data savvy and data becomes part of the storytelling and almost the legend of the business and this in turn reinforces the importance of data so it really sets that positive feedback loop up and that's the kind of creation of the culture that you want so Where does that leave the finance sector? So, if we jump down to the next slide, although 83% of finance CEOs want to be more data driven, about 21% of finance companies are seen as mature. So, this actually represents a huge opportunity gap. But every step that you take is a step in the right direction to creating that return on investment to, to be a mature data culture. So Back to Priyash now, who's going to give us some really easy advice to get you started on your data journey.
1: Thank you very much, Charlotte, for those amazing insights on what good data culture looks like. Um, But as we've mentioned earlier, there are organisations that are trying to become data driven, however, are failing to get there. What I would love to talk to you about is the why and how we can can get there. Now, as we've discussed earlier, organizations are spending an awful amount of money in building their tech stacks, their data warehouses, their data lakes, bringing in BI tools and data scientists to really become data-driven. Yes, these are necessary building blocks to become data-driven, but they won't deliver you the data-driven culture, as we've mentioned earlier, which is fundamental to deriving the value out of your data. And whilst there are some other organizations that are actually starting to build the foundations of a data-driven culture through initiatives like improving data literacy, providing training, hiring some more data specialists across the organization and building KPIs and metrics so that business uh, leaders can look at KPIs. These will only create an environment or the potential for a good data culture. What's important is for us to try And ensure that that data driven culture is actually practically implemented. It's exercised on a daily basis at all levels of the organization, not in a subset or not just at the top level of the organization. And it must be embedded into the heart of your organization's day to day operations, much as you said, Charlotte, in a way that every single person can stand there and say, this is the way we do business over here. And so, in order to help with that, I'm gonna give you five key takeaways, five key enablers that are an absolute must to bring this data culture uh, to life, to make it a reality. Number one, empowering your employees through data democratization. Often data is only provided to the top layer of the organization in the form of management information. And so decisions are also made at the top, which then spiral down into the organization. If you really wanna drive a data-driven culture across the organization, we must empower every single individual with the data that is relevant to them, their roles, their responsibilities, so that they can make autonomous decisions at their level. And of course, empower them to use data through a range of incentives. Number two, it's also then important for us to reinforce that with the help of proofs of concept and by sharing success stories. Now, one of the many reasons why employees are resistant to providing data or using data is because they simply don't see the value in it. They see it as merely an admin exercise that isn't going to drive the data culture that you're after. It's difficult for the organization to sometimes see and share that business value. It's difficult to to share the business decisions that have been made thanks to the data that these individuals have provided. And so it's very important that we share success stories on decisions that were made using data because this will drive better engagement with data. It will generate more confidence in the decisions and it will increase your power of persuasion because of the objectivity and the measurability of your decisions because they are data-driven. Number three, data quality should belong to everyone. One of the many reasons why data transformation fails is because of poor data quality. Poor data quality is often seen as the reason for not consuming these amazing data analytics that our data teams produce to drive business decisions. So how do we ensure that data quality is actually maintained on an ongoing basis? As I say, it is by making data quality everyone's responsibility. So the next question is, how do we make it everyone's responsibility? It is by making data useful for each and every person providing it. It is by providing that data back to them in the form of meaningful insights and visualizations and analytics that can make their lives better, that can make their day jobs easier. If you make that data useful for them, you can guarantee that they will look after that data themselves. Number four, it's very important to distinguish decision quality from the outcome quality. As Charlotte mentioned earlier, you know, it's important to lead by example. And, you know, leaders must lead by example, by making decisions based on data. However, it's important to separate the outcome quality from the decision quality. To begin with, when you start becoming data-driven, the outcome may not be as you desired. it may, the quality of that outcome may not be as you expected it to be. However, that's okay continue encouraging people to base their decisions using data, because at this point, the ambition is not to achieve the best outcome, but to develop a culture where decisions are based on data. So it's important that we motivate and encourage people to continue using data despite the outcome of that decision. And finally, it's very, very important to not isolate your data teams. Again, as Charlotte mentioned in What Makes a Good Data Culture, It's important to break those silos. It's important that we enable collaboration. And therefore it's important that we develop an organizational structure that fosters greater communication and seamless collaboration between your business teams and your data teams. Now, this could be by developing a matrix organization through a hub and spoke model, whereby your data analysts and data scientists are part of a center of excellence but are also then embedded within other business functions through dotted line management. Now think back to your HR business partners, your finance business partners. This is already a reality for so many enabling capabilities. So why should data be any different? They need to know what the business goals are. And so the data scientists must work in tandem with your businesses, uh, with your business functions and business units, because only then can they understand what the business is working on how things are working, what the pain points are, and they can then use their skill sets to alleviate those pain points. Equally, the business needs to understand how the data teams can offer support. They need to organically grow their data literacy, they need to organically grow their understanding of how they can use the data to drive better decision making. And that's only possible if they are in close proximity with the data teams themselves. And so it's very important that you build an organization where the data teams are an equal part of your business teams. Well, hopefully those five recommendations will give you some steer into areas where you can develop uh, going forward. There's one kind of thing that I would like to reiterate and something that I'd like you to take away with you. And that is remember that all of the investments you're making in data are not lost and it's important that the investments you're making in data are truly seen as investments and not as a cost. And in the same vein, investing in your data culture may not look like a tangible sort of investment or produce a tangible output, but it truly is the foundational block required. It truly is the enabler that will make your desire, your vision to become data-driven a reality. But hopefully, The last 20 minutes have given you plenty of insights on why data culture is important, what good data culture looks like, and these five recommendations will tell you how to actually get there. But despite that, if you have any questions, uh, if you flick over to the next slide, please. Yeah, if you have any questions, those are our email addresses. Uh, Charlotte and Priyash, We'd love to chat with you. Uh, please get in touch with Gate One Consulting, um, both of us, and we'd be more than happy to help you in your journey to become data-driven and in your journey to build your data cultures. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Reish and Charlotte. That was very interesting. It seems nowadays that organizations are really good at collecting the data, but not so much as using it to their advantage. Um, I particularly liked how you said that we shouldn't isolate the data teams. I think that's really important. And a lot of this stuff can be done by um, making sure everyone's on the same page and bringing all the staff together and a bit of upskilling, which is it's good to know that it's easy, easy, relatively easy to achieve, we yep. hope. Um, Moving on to audience questions, Uh, we've got one here about um, data ethics and governance. Um, So what role does data ethics and governance play in shaping a positive corporate data culture?
1: They play a big role. They play a very big role because at the end of the day, data culture is not just about um, what data you use and where you use it. It's also about how you use it. And that's... Data ethics, data governance are the thing that will, in, that will be, um, they'll be looking after how that data is used. And it's very important that the data is used in a consistent way. It's used in a standardized way across the organization, uh, because otherwise, organizations spend endless amount of time and effort in maintaining that data, transforming that data. And so that data governance uh, is, is, is very key. And particularly thinking about data governance and um, data ethics, um, I think it's equally important, as I said right at the start of my presentation, um, we've got to ensure that we are um, working within the realms of those regulations and those regulatory requirements that are imposed on organizations. And if you don't follow them, the sanctions, as we know, are quite large and the reputational damage that can follow is also irreversible in many cases. Organizations have gone bust as a result of not kind of adhering to those regulatory requirements. And the role of therefore data data governance functions is very key because it's important as part of your data culture and what we were talking about in the form of data literacy, everybody understands their roles and their responsibilities in managing and maintaining the data, in using it in an ethical way and using it within the boundaries that have been drawn by those regula- regulations.
2: And, and just to add to that, Priyash, I think you know one of the key points of a positive data culture is around trust and accountability. And you can see those groups as groups that really kind of hold, hold people to account and, and make sure that the data is trusted and trustworthy. Um, and, and actually, in a really positive culture, they don't have to be seen as the police of data. Mm-hmm. They can be seen as the protectors and the safety, the safety net for data. So it's really important to build those positive relationships with governance and with ethics forums, um, so that people feel like they can actually use data, they can input their data, and that they feel like their data is safe. So it's, it's not just punitive. There's also something really positive about working together um, with with kind of ethics forums and with governance. Up and informed
0: too. Yeah, I guess a key part of that data culture is knowing how to use it responsibly and the ethics involved. Um, Another question. So looking at um, firms who have a mature, um, successful data culture, what advantages do they have over um, organisations who have less of this culture?
1: Charlotte, do you want to okay. go with that one? because it, it actually res, uh, it kind of goes back to that slide that you're talking about organizations with a not so mature data culture and those with with a very mature culture.
2: Yes, yeah, so there's a great piece of research by the um, International Data Corporation, which shows that you know the more mature your data culture is, the better you score against metrics of customer satisfaction, um, time to market for products your employee productivity and also your bottom line profit. So, you know, in all the areas and all the metrics that we use to say, is our company successful? Um, those who are more mature in the way that they use data do kind of hit the top of that mark. So, yet yeah, this one on screen now. Um, so it's, there is a real direct co- correlation there um, that it is really important.
1: Yeah, and I think if we look at a sample size of the big organizations around us, you know, think about all of these big organizations of the world, the Googles, the Netflixes of the world, the, the Apples of the world, Facebooks. You know, I'm just thinking of the top of my head, but all of these organizations, you can just imagine what is the secret ingredient that makes them so huge, that drives that in- intense personalization, which pulls all of its consumers to it on a daily basis. It is the fact that they are data-driven. They're really harnessing their data and transforming it into a real asset that is delivering um, unparalleled services and products to their clients. And that's only possible because they have set that data culture within their organization that it it is a data-first organization. They're really keen on driving those services and their products from a data point of view, and so they've given data so much importance in those organisations. So hopefully, that you know is 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 a, a good complementary kind of stat to to the the chart that's on screen at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Thank you.
0: And if someone was um, watching this today and you've got the five sort of key steps that you can go to implement um, data culture back in your workplace, is there one sort of key takeaway that's crucial for for this to be successful?
1: So one key Um, takeaway for that audience, I guess. One key takeaway out of those five that I mentioned? or. Yeah, most important. Yeah, I think the most important one for me has to be the one that I've lived and breathed uh, myself, which is helping employees help themselves through data. Because at the end of the day, you can build really strong data analytics teams with lots and lots of high cutting edge technology, with really, really skillful and proficient data scientists. Uh, But most of the time, what tends to happen is all of these data scientists and data analysts actually spend 80 to 85% of their time cleaning up the data before even being able to use it. And equally, when that data is then handed over to the business to make decisions, it's not reliable. And so no decisions can be actually made from that data. So imagine the amount of time that's wasted, imagine the amount of opportunity cost there is from that data and from those people. Um, If we were to make data quality everyone's responsibility, you can think about how fast we can accelerate the value generation from that. And you know the, the, the beauty about this whole thing is it's actually very simple. If you make that data useful for the person that's providing it, it's a no brainer. They're going to kind of ensure that it's maintained. It's a bit like our Fitbits. It comes back to help us. So we always make sure we wear that Fitbit on our, on our wrists regardless of where we are. Um, so it's all about making it useful for the people because if you make it useful for the people, they'll be sure to to maintain it. And
0: it's like what um, what they say, your decisions are really only as good as the data you're using to make those decisions. So it is really important. Uh, I think we've got time for one more question. Um, Is there any way that the principles you've described can be applied to improve the rules and processes for financial reporting to stakeholders?
1: I think all of them are applicable regardless of what reporting or what data analytics you might be performing, because what we're describing here is is the way an organization should try and think about data, whether it's financial data, whether it's financial reporting, whether it's operational reporting, it really doesn't matter. It's about how people um, embody data literacy, data-driven decision-making, data ownership. I should feel as responsible for that. Uh, data. I've seen in many organizations, there's the amount of finger pointing that takes place, even if you think about financial reporting. Well, this data came from that team and that team says, well, I don't know where that came from. And and you just go back that chain, um, you never kind of end up fixing that problem. So it's about data ownership. It's about data accessibility. So again, financial reporting, should you make that kind of reporting um, available to the whole organization in some shape or form? Um, There was an organization that I saw, which only had financial reporting available to its kind of top um, ex ex co, uh, whereas the rest of the organization was working in complete darkness, yet they were being asked to manage and optimize their costs. Well, how do you expect them to optimize their costs? They don't even have visibility of how much they're spending in their functions so it's about data accessibility and we've also talked about kind of data governance and data quality already but the thing we probably haven't talked about is data integration and that's perhaps something we can kind of factor in, in 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 the finance financial reporting aspect which is financial reporting i understand you know you want to look at your dollars or your pound figures but can you integrate that data with other data sets and derive newer insights? Can you derive new dimensions and new perspectives? The only way you can do that is by actually making that financial reporting or financial information available to other parts of the organization that may not be looking at your business from a financial point of view, but they'll then be able to bring new perspectives and new dimensions and new thought processes to integrate new data sets, or overlay new information onto financial data. So again, it goes back to one of the concepts that I talked about in my five key takeaways, which was around data democratization. Make that data available to as many people as you can, and you will definitely come up with a much better, much more powerful end product.
0: Thank you. I I really think that democratisation and accessibility of data is really crucial um, for a positive um, workplace culture in general, as well as data culture, so thank you. I think that brings us to um, the end of the session today. Uh, Once again, thank you so much, um, Preet and Charlotte, for sharing your time and expertise with us today. And also, thanks to our sponsors for making these webinars possible. And of course, thank you uh, to our audience for logging in and contributing to the discussion today. Don't forget to check out the forthcoming events page on our website. We've got lots for diverse, I should say, thought-provoking content coming up, um, including an event, an in-person event, on Thursday the 28th of September uh, in the City of London around data and AI. So if you are um, based in London, do register for that one and we can talk about these issues in person. So thank you very much, everyone, for logging in today. Have a lovely afternoon.
2: Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.
0: Thank you.